The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And it's the first time in three years that the Royals have scored seven or more runs in three consecutive games as Casey puts the pedal to the metal as they should and destroys the 24 and 43 Brewers. 10 to 2 out of the K in front of more than 33,000 people. The Royals move to 37 and 25 on the year, and we're glad you're along here on the dish on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo where we will break down the series finale with Milwaukee tomorrow. Unfortunately, the Royals only get to face this team one more time in 2015. But all jokes aside, the Royals doing what they need to do against the Milwaukee Brewers. How many times in the last several years, including last year, as a matter of fact, have we seen the Royals play down to the level of their competition? Not this year. This is what good teams, this is what bordering great teams do. They dominate inferior competition. We saw the Tigers and Twins both lose multiple games to the Brewers, and now we see the Royals just absolutely take it to them. And we're going to break this one down and talk about the series finale again tomorrow here in one second. But we'll begin with our player of the game tonight, and that's Alcides Escobar who once again swung at the first pitch tonight. You know how some teams keep, you know, some fans keep up the strikeouts of a guy that hang the Ks from the upper deck, tape them on there every time the pitcher gets a strikeout? Maybe the Royals should start doing swinging at the first pitch every game for Escobar, yay or nay. It's a running tally. I mean, the last 10 days, I, I haven't been keeping track. I should go back and look at that. I'm willing to bet you seven of the last 10 games, Escobar's probably swung at the first pitch, and it's worked out some, and not just in the last 10-game stretch. We saw him lead off a game earlier this year with the first pitch home run, so it's been working probably better than his overall numbers, to be honest with you. If you go Go back and look at it, but Escobar does swing at the first pitch. It doesn't get it done tonight in the first at bat, but for the night he does, knocking in four runs does Eski. A couple of hits, including a big triple, also plated and scored a run himself, was driven in, and, and that was more than enough Escobar in his own for Joe Bland tonight and the Royals' bullpen, just getting it done. But let's start with the offense. Five walks tonight. I'll put that before anything else. We saw the Royals batter and bruise Milwaukee last night offensively, but the Royals didn't walk a single time. So that just makes me smile seeing five walks tonight out of the Royals and multi-hit games. Like I said, Eski, a couple of hits, Kane, Morales. And how about Omar Infante catching fire against Milwaukee? And yes, a couple of those hits have been infield choppers. There was a bloop in there, but who cares? You know, we'll take it out. We can get it. Omar is now 7 for 12 in this series against Milwaukee. Hopefully this will get him going. And we did see a nice, solid line drive to right field, which I love seeing in his last A-B tonight. We've seen Omar driving the ball a bit better. And I said earlier this year, I said a month ago or so, back when he was in that little you know, hot stretch, I thought that Omar looked good at the plate about a month ago. Was catching up with the fastball better than I'd seen him since coming over to KC. And I give you reasons why I thought Omar could keep it up and perhaps have a nice season offensively based on baseball prospectus, saying he's going to see the biggest improvements in 2015 amongst any position player in the American League. Number one, I respect those guys a lot. Based on the fact that Omar seems healthier this year than ever, outside of the strain groin we saw earlier this year that took him out of that Oakland and Brett Laurie famous Sunday afternoon game in decay and had him miss several games. The elbow, I mean, defensively, Omar looks by far the best we've seen him over the last month. I just thought he he's healthy. 
he's not that old, still 33. He, my eyes tell me he's catching up with the fastball better. And then all of a sudden, the plate recognition went away. Well, it's starting to come back. Not only is Omar taking the ball to right field, hitting the ball a little bit harder, but the plate recognition. We saw him spit the last couple of nights on several breaking balls low and away that have been getting him out the last several weeks. So the average is a 227. That's nothing to celebrate about, believe me. The on-base is not much better. The OPS is not good. I mean, the offense is still brutal for Omar. But you got to start somewhere. And it's nice to see him putting some, some good games and good at-bats together against the Brewers. And I think if the Royals can get him up to 255, 265, we know he's not going to get on base as much as we need him to, you know, on base percentage-wise. But So I almost just talk about batting average and go old school with him because he's not going to walk a lot. Get him up. And the mid to up, you know, mid 250s. I'll take 260. Any day of the week. If he can hit 260 and keep playing the kind of D he is, we'll take that definitely out of Omar. Now, one other thing before we get to the pitching tonight, and Joe Blanton deserves big props, is that Ned Yost, of course, who has long been a whipping boy, much like Omar Infante has been on the Twitter especially. But Ned has been there, uh, you know, for a long time. Now ties Whitey Herzog, first place all-time Royals history for managerial victories. And I how much poetic justice is it that Ned can not only tie that, but also break that against the first team he managed, the team that fired him in the middle of the pennant race, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. He can do that tomorrow night at the K. And that, if it, you know, obviously his fate as the Royals Hall of Famer has already been sealed, but that officially does it even more so coming up when he breaks that, hopefully tomorrow night. Now let's talk about the pitching tonight. I was very impressed with Joe Blanton, better than expected. Hey, what did we talk about last night with Chris Young? Pitch efficiency. Keeping the pitch count down. Blanton did the same thing tonight. Quick, efficient innings. Was on a 75 to 80 pitch limit. Got right up there to about 75 and was able to get through five innings because of his quick innings. Five innings for Blanton allowing just one run on five hits. No walks, four Ks. So just one base runner per inning and a whip of one and four Ks. No walks. Awesome. Out of Joe Blanton. In spot start number one, probably a couple of more still to come. At least one more out of the Royals rotation. So Blanton just had everything working tonight. I, there's not too much to say about him. I still haven't seen enough of Blanton where I can feel comfortable in breaking him down. But what we saw him doing tonight was pick, you know, p- pitching quick, trusting his stuff, trusting his defense. Got the job done tonight for the Royals. The bullpen did as well. Combining for four innings of one run ball. Should have only been... No runs. I mean, shouldn't have allowed a hit. I mean, the Royals bullpen, four innings, one run, one hit, two Ks, and a walk. Should have been four scoreless innings, no hits, with two Ks and a walk. I mean, there was that play again in the eighth inning. For the second time in five days, we saw Alex Rios and Lorenzo Kane struggle to catch a ball in the right center field gap. Happened again tonight. Probably a good call to not give Kane an error, but again, Luke Hochaver was bitten by that on Friday night against the Cardinals, and we saw the same thing here in this game with Morales taking the run to his ERA, which you know probably shouldn't have happened. But again, the Royals pitching cannot complain. This defense is so ridiculous. I once had Jeremy Guthrie tell me that he honestly believes, by the way, that the Royals defense is saving him and other Royals starting pitchers nearly a run on their ERAs. Jeremy told me that once. He's saying starters, guys who throw a lot of innings. But he thinks their defense is so good it saves them close to a run. And you can see that, I mean, just off the obvious times where the Royals save runs like we saw the other night. Last night, Lorenzo Cain bangs into the wall and makes the catch to save two runs for Chris Young on that ball that LaCroix hit. 
I mean, so there's two runs there, and you have to always figure there's a chance there could have been bigger innings. Another hit there, then he scores. So I think Jeremy's probably right. I mean, the obvious ones probably save your ERA three or four tenths of a run, but then you factor in the potential big innings that are saved and thwarted by the Royals' defense, and it's pretty impressive as KC will go for the sweep tomorrow. We said coming into this homestand, no worse than 3-2. and two. The Royals get the first one out of the way, can finish 2-2 two and two and have a good stand. Anything more than that is fantastic. And you you want to see the Royals get fat right now, don't you? You got the two against Milwaukee. You got three against a struggling Boston team. Uh, a solid Seattle team, but I hear, by the way, from uh, not Bob Dutton, not him, a different guy that covers the Mariners and sent it out, who will remain nameless, that I know pretty well, that Lloyd McClendon has basically zapped the fun out of Seattle. The team is not having fun. They're not playing inspired baseball. It's just It's not a happy bunch. And an underachieving bunch out there. So you've got a struggling Brewers team for four. Then you've got the, the Red Sox for three who's struggling. Then you've got a Seattle who's underachieving. And obviously the pitching has a lot of potential there, the rotation. So that, that's not going to be a, an easy series at all. In fact, I kind of expect the Royals to struggle on that one. But then you've got, assuming you get at least one there, then you go into Oakland who's struggling as well. Been bad all year. I mean, the Royals need to get fat right now, don't they? We saw them start off on fire and they've been a few games over 500. I guess now what? Five games over 500, so starting 7-0. and So it'd be nice to see the Royals get another big stretch here before they go back into a 500 rut. It's good. I say rut because this team is so good, and we expect so much out of this team that playing 500 ball for an extended period of time is almost a rut for this team, and that's good news. You have three or four big streaks, like the one you started off 7-0, maybe one the next couple of weeks, another one later in July or August, maybe one in September. I mean, that's how you win 100 games, 95 games. You have big streaks, and when you're playing quote-unquote bad, you play 500 balls. So hopefully the Royals, the point being, in all that long-winded ex- explanation, can go ahead and rattle off a good 8-2, and 11-5, and five, 7 of 8, one of those stretches coming up and getting fat off the competition. Now tomorrow it's Jimmy Nelson, a right-hander for the Brew Crew against Jeremy Guthrie. Nelson... Has a 4-6-0, is 3-6. We told you last night, inconsistent as heck. It's maddening for Craig Council and Doug Melvin and the Brewers Brass against Jeremy Guthrie, who's been actually pretty consistent outside of the, out of that Yankees game. Is he already be under five? Being having a pretty nice year if you take out that Yankees game. And I know you can't just take out a game. That's, that's just part of the, how it is. But just saying that Guthrie's been actually pretty darn good. Coming off a so-so start, five innings, three runs against St. Louis. I'm sure he's not thrilled about that. But overall, it's been good. Guthrie has not seen Milwaukee, by the way, since 2012, so there's not much data there on him. Nelson's first year in the MLB, so the Royals haven't seen him as you know either. And when I say streaky with Nelson, by the way, his last three starts, you know, coming off a seven-run outing in five innings. Before that, no runs in six innings. Before that, seven runs in five innings. So a guy who's been every other the majority of this year and. Like I joked about last night, hopefully he, the Royals can buck that trend of every other being good. Because if it's still every other, he'd be due for a good start tomorrow night. But the Royals are at the point now where they've got the first three. and So you can't just get comfortable, though, tomorrow. But, I mean, if they lose the game, they lose it. They still took three out of four from the Brewers. Whatever. But I was just thinking to myself tonight, and maybe this is way overthinking things because it's still mid-June. But isn't, isn't tomorrow the kind of game that wins you a division by a game or two? Like, what I mean by that is we've seen Detroit and Minnesota both lose games, multiple games, to Milwaukee, right? And we saw the Royals miss the division by a game last year. Doesn't it just seem like Detroit's not going to go away easy? As I as I talked to you, they're 4-4 four four in the 11th against Cincinnati. Hopefully they drop that and go back to 5 behind the Royals. But either way, likely the Royals are going to be battling with Detroit to the last week of the season. And I, I still think that Cleveland could move back up there, but maybe I'm wrong on that. The rotation's so good, I don't, I don't understand why they can't win. But whatever. But 
point being, doesn't tomorrow seem like one of those games? You're happy to take three out of four, right? Three out of four is a successful series in a four game. It's extremely tough to win three out of four, let alone all four, right? So on one hand, no matter what happens, tomorrow's kind of a gravy game. But on the other hand, we've seen both Detroit and Minnesota lose to this team. And you could go over this any freaking team. I understand. You could look at the Royals versus any team and see the teams that Detroit did better than and the Royals or vice versa. So I, as 162 games, it's, maybe it's just a stupid thing to talk about. But I just feel like tomorrow's the kind of game where if you win it, you get the four-game sweep, you did something your competition couldn't do, maybe that's the one game that puts you over the edge at the end of the year, like we saw last year. You know, remember the Royals got swept by the Astros last year. I don't know. I'm probably just talking out loud here, but I just feel like tomorrow could be the kind of game that could be real important later in the year, and that's stupid to say that because we're in mid-June, so just forget everything I've said the last two minutes. <laughs> Unless you agree with me, then, then, then note it. <laughs> we'll have it again for you tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll break down Thursday evening's game, and we'll preview the three coming up this weekend against the Red Sox. Have a great night. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Happy to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you, actually. Drop me an email, daveo at clubhouseconversation.com. On the Twitter at Royals Clubhouse, Facebook Clubhouse Conversation. Subscribe here on iTunes. Have it come directly into your iTunes each day. Download it from the site. Stream it from the site. Just thank you for listening. Spread the word. Go Royals.